0: turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. Now as we dig into what we came here for, this glorious day, uh, an amazing continuation. Uh, This is really Don't Be Dead Part 2. We're going to pick up in our admonition that we began last week, but extremely important going forward to set the stage for this. So, uh, it begins and before we do so notice it says this I say therefore they're in verse 17 of Ephesians 4 this I say therefore he's saying look here's why I'm saying this here's the purpose for what follows now probably many of you and I want to just give you a little bit of a stage set here probably many of you've had an experience like we're currently having in the Gill household right now we have a car that was purchased from a dealer, brand new, and that car has some what we'd like to call issues, and and you take it in, and when you go into a dealership, they put it on this computer thing that's as tall as the service bay that you drive it into, and they now hook it up to a computer, and it tells you, you know, what sensor isn't talking to what other sensor that isn't telling another sensor to do what it's supposed to do, and before you know it, it comes up with a diagnosis, Amen. And that diagnosis is fork over the money. (laughs) A lot of scripture is a diagnostic tool for the body of Christ that tells us what's going on in our lives and then how to fix it. It doesn't just tell you the problem, it tells you what to do with the problem, how to get from the diagnosis, which we were dead in our trespasses and sins, to the real wonderful cure, which is now we're alive in Christ in a new creation. Amen? Yes. That is where this passage picks up. Would you pray with me? Father, would you just send the Holy Spirit to come to this place and fill us, Lord, overflow us, so that we might receive the truth of your word. We're so grateful for it, God, and we pray now that as we study, uh, that you would cause us to absorb it and take it in and to live Lord Godly in Christ Jesus, we bless you for the power of your word and pray now that you would make our hearts receptive to your truth. We ask these things in Christ's name and God's people all said. Amen. 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 Verse 17, Ephesians 4. For this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. You shouldn't be living the way you used to live. You should no longer be walking as the world walks naturally. People without Christ, it should not shock anyone in here. Most of us, I believe, this morning are believers in Christ Jesus. Amen? So if you're here and you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then you are not supposed to be walking the way you used to walk when you didn't know Him. Amen? We call that a transformed life, a redeemed life. We. We call that walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. Amen? Amen. And so he begins by saying, look, here's what it looks like in the futility of their mind. This is a blunt truth. It's in our face. It pokes right in the middle of the chest and says, look, don't walk. It's a Gentile's walk. And he's using Gentiles as a synonymous term to, to uh, talk about unbelievers, and he's using walk as a synonymous term for live, act out your conduct, and the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You see, you used to be that way, and you were alienated from God. You know, we, we kind of need to get a little honest, don't we? You, you guys weren't all that either. Before you met Jesus, you were a bunch of scumbags, too. You know, we use that. You know, we kind of talk about. Well, you know, they're unsaved. well. You were unsaved at one point in time as well, amen. You used to walk after the dictates of your flesh. You didn't walk with Jesus. You were doing the same dumb stuff that now you bag on people that do. Isn't it funny how you turn into a legalist after you get saved by grace? It's a weird thing, isn't it? Like I received the grace of God. Now it's like you got your sinometer out. You know, he's like. Eh. You know what I'm saying, you walk around, somebody does something, it's like, the lights and the bells and the whistles go off. You used to be the same way. Praise God for the grace of God, Amen? amen? It tells us why, their futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. You walked in the dark too, I walked in the dark too. Being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that's in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Sin blinds. Sin separates. Causes you to walk. You think you're okay. People without Christ believe they're all right. They will even tell you, Well, I'm good, man. I don't need your God. You you keep your Jesus, okay? Don't tell me. You ever notice how when you begin to talk to people about the Lord, Don't tell me about sin. You know why that is? Light bulb. Light bulb. As Harry Ironside said, when the light goes on, the bugs go scattering. All of a sudden, people start to see those. They don't want to know. They're very comfortable living without Christ. It's because you were born in Adam in sin. You have a sin nature. you got some blindness of your heart. Notice it says because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling. In other words, they're past the point of feeling bad about it because they live that way. They're already walking around. That's just how they are. That's how sinners are. That's people without Christ's sin. That should not shock any believer. You shouldn't be going, well, you know, I can't believe they would do that. Used to do the same thing. Matter of fact, some people in the world could take a few lessons on sinning from people in the church. Walk around and say, aren't you a Christian? Yeah. Aren't you supposed to live godly in Christ Jesus? "Uh Uh-huh. having given themselves over to lewdness, to the work of all uncleanness, with greediness. And so he gives this first this blunt truth, and I don't want to belabor it too much. It sets the stage for what follows. You see, we're supposed to not be dead anymore. Amen? It's what we used to be. We're no longer that way. So the focus here is on the mind. Because when you think about it, everything you do has its beginnings in your mind. Your hands just don't arbitrarily start to sin, do they? You don't walk around and say, Man, I can't control that hand. It goes over here. It's just like, Wow, it's just sitting on its own. God help. That's not what happens. You think it up, you mull it over, you run through all the scenarios, you do all this stuff, and then it's like, Oh, that looks good. It starts up here. The battle over sin is right here, it's fought in your mind. Your mind is transformed. Your mind is renewed. You put off the old, put on the new, but it happens up here. You think through those things, and all of a sudden, you're thinking differently, because you used to have stinking thinking, amen? Your thinking was not so good. We're getting renewed in our minds. And so what's wrong with the mind of an unsaved person? First thing is it's futile. There's no substantial purpose to it. When you think about it, and if you think about how you were before you came to Christ, you just kind of did whatever. Amen? Party comes up. Sure, I'll go there. Got nothing else going on. My life means basically nothing. I'll just go do that. That sounds better than what I got going on. You didn't think past today, did you? Most people don't. They're just like you're engaged in whatever pleases them today. They look at their life as an endless string of circumstances. And if they can make one circumstance feel a little bit better than the last circumstance, they're okay. We go from high to high in relationship to relationship. And we go try and get more money. And we really don't care about the means that get us there. That's why people steal other people's stuff. That's why people sleep with other per- people's husbands and wives. That's why people engage in all kinds of sinful behavior. Because without Christ... Yeah, don't care. Your mind's not right. You can't think about it yet in a proper way. Sure, you have some moral uh, ability within you because the moral law, Paul said, is written into every life. We have a general sense, but without the light of Christ, you're kind of just wandering around doing your own thing. Your mind is vain. It's futile. I want to give you the sad story, and if you want to turn there, uh, I I think it's important. Here it is, the sad story of the unbeliever, Romans chapter 1. I just want to breeze over it because this is really an elaboration of the concept that Paul is teaching here in Ephesians 4. He reminds us in grave detail what this actually looks like. And first he begins with the who, and I'm not talking about the, the band that's led by Roger Daltrey, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not those guys. I'm talking about the who, as in, who is the Lord talking about here in Romans chapter 1? And it becomes very clear, verse 18, Romans 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It's talking about people who don't believe the truth, who do not live in the truth, who walk away from the truth. We call those people unbelievers. Amen. Notice verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead. So you can look up into the night sky, you can look at creation itself, and you can get a glimpse of the handiwork of God. You can understand that there has to be something bigger than us. When someone looks at our universe and says that something extremely small exploded and it became very ordered, immensely complex and produced all kinds of things from chemical evolution as chemicals floated around in a primordial sea of goo for billions of years and became your liver and your kidney and your spleen, that's somebody who is stretching it a little bit. You see, we can miss the whole point. God's speaking to us. He said, "Look at this complexity." look at the order in the universe. I don't know about you, but when you put, see, I I came from a dumb family. We thought smart things were to, like, take cherry bombs and M-80s, put them inside of jars, and stand there and see what happens when they explode. I can tell you what happens. Chaos. So if the Big Bang supposedly created all kinds of order out of infinite chaos on a galactic scale, I'd like you to tell me how that happened. It doesn't happen. So you can look at the universe and say, ah, maybe there's a God out there. Notice what he says next. And so they, that being unbelievers, the guys referred to in verse 18, are without excuse because... Although they, unbelievers, verse 18, knew God, they could see a little bit about him. They, unbelievers, did not glorify God, nor were they thankful. They became futile in their thoughts. That is, unbelievers did. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. They changed the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, and creeping things. Don't we worship some of the silliest things? You want to see this in action? Go to Petco. I saw a lady with her dogs fully dressed in suits. I'm like, you need help big time. Help. Then she went and bought some $875 dog food. It was organic, free-range chicken without hormones. And again, praise God, I have two, I love my dogs. But when you begin to worship dogs, you begin to worship whales, and you forget that kids matter, that every life was created by God. When you begin to look at the world, you start to worship the creation, you got an issue. Your vision is messed up. You can't see. And so what happens when you do that? God gave them up, that's unbelievers, to uncleanness. The lust of their heart to dishonor their body among themselves. You begin to use your body in ways that God never intended. Never intended. You wonder why we're debating things like gay marriage. You wonder why we're debating, is it okay to kill unborn children in their mother's womb? You wonder why that's happening. When you devalue life, when you take God out of the equation, and you say there is no creator, then you can do those kind of things. Who exchange the truth of God for the lie. Notice it says the lie. That's an accurate rendering. It is the single lie. One, and here it is it's found in Genesis the very beginning book the book whose name means beginnings hath God surely said did God really say thus says the Lord did God really speak does he mean what he says does he say what he means that's the lie there is no God doesn't matter. And if there is a God, He doesn't even like you. Oh, you have a reason to not like us, amen? I don't like me sometimes. Has God? Surely that's the lie. Either there is no God, or God doesn't care, or He's like the Greek gods or the Roman gods. He's just kind of this ethereal being who, who kind of does whatever He wants. And if He has a good day, you're okay. If He has a bad day, eh, You see, that's what happens when you take God out of the equation. Notice your thoughts become darkened. You think you're wise. You think you're on the right track. Oh, you are as tolerant as can be of everything. Because you have to be. Because there is no moral authority in your life. You wander around and you are a random chance process that bore itself out over a billion years. There is no order to anything. It's all chaos. As David Thoreau put it quite concisely, as far as humans go, we have an improved means to an unimproved end. Amen? We just learn how to sin better. How about the futility of the unsaved person's mind? You see, they really think they're wise. But you talk to them... And there's darkness that's settled over their mind. When you talk to people who are engaged in sin, when you ask them how defined those things are, they will tell you, well, there's no such thing as sin. If I think it's okay, it's okay. We call that situational ethics. We call it existentialism. I just think, therefore I am. If I like it, it's okay. Look at the world and ask yourself the simple question, is that not what's going on in our world today? People running around, I think it's okay. What is okay about destroying 60 million human lives? What is okay about that? Chiefly for financial or sociological reasons. What what is okay with redefining marriage? When God said in the beginning, he created them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, Jesus said, and a woman leave her home, and the two, a man and a woman, shall be joined together. What's going on here? It's darkened mind. We can't see clearly. The world is going, let's make up our own truth. Let's believe the lie. Hath God surely said? He goes on now to define these things. We're not supposed to act like the world. Get this. Verse 26 of Romans 1, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. And he talks about both versions of homosexual behavior there. He says, it doesn't matter which one you want to pick. They're both not okay with God. So if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with what God's word says. The same Bible that teaches that also says you're saved by grace and through faith. You can't have one and not the other. You can't pick and choose what you do or do not like about the book of Romans. So if you believe the Romans road, you have to also believe what God said through Paul in Romans about sin. We don't get to make that choice. Well, I want to be more tolerant. It's not tolerant to tell people that what they're engaged in is okay with God when God said it's not okay. So we have to speak the truth in love. It's the whole context of Ephesians, isn't it? Look, speaking the truth in love, here's where it is. Let's get this right. And so he says, don't act like the world. And we don't need to read the rest of it. Finish Romans chapter 1 when you get home. You know what you will find? They didn't like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to hear about it. You can talk about anything except for, I actually believe the Bible is God's word. If you tell everybody that you believe that moon unit Zappa is the savior of the world, you'll start a cult. (laughs) Well, I'm looking at some of you out there, and you know, we... I was in that group. Let's, let's spin this record backwards and see what happens. John is dead. John is dead. John is dead. You know, the whole beetle thing. People believe anything. Maharishi Rajnish Yogi. I, I worked at San Diego International Airport when I was going to college. And we, we actually locked a Krishna dude in a closet, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> But they'd have their symbols, and and they had these stacks of these books. And, you know, they'd they'd say, well, read this, and you'll be enlightened. And I read it, and I was like, I'm not getting the whole enlightenment thing here. But there were people, it's like, ah, and you'd see them back a couple of months later. Ponytail on the back of their head with their little symbols on their fingers. People believe anything, as long as you believe it, hard enough. As long as you're committed to it. As long as I'm really committed to my sinful behavior, it must be okay. It's not what God's word says. Family of God, truth and life go together. You cannot have the life of God without the truth of God. You can't. They go together. And so he begins to kind of close this up in this, this concept. He says, look, you can't approve of things that are, that are not of the Lord. And, and let me say this to you. The world's tolerance for sinful behavior is spiritually fatal. It's spiritually fatal on people. And so when you have people that you know that are engaged in things that the Bible clearly speaks to, and I'm not talking about you going around with your sinometer going, eh, <laughs> wow, you got a six. You guys know that joke. Everybody's got a everybody's got a, a a clock in heaven, right? The sin clock. And it ticks one time one time for every sin. Your clock's being used in the kitchen as a fan. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Praise God for His grace, but we need to acknowledge that we're sinners. Amen? Yeah. Like the answer is God's grace, but you can't skip the part that says, yep, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. We want to do that. Well, don't mess with me. You know, I'm perfectly okay. So, next, He gives this incredibly powerful argument we try and wrap this up. Verse 20 here in Ephesians 4. But you have not so learned Christ. Notice what it says there. Not to be like Christ. You haven't learned Christ. The example is Jesus himself. It's not what somebody else thinks about him. It's who he actually is. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And of course the word is how we know him. Amen? I simply try not to mess up God's word. I say that all the time. What's your job? My job is to not mess up God's word. That's my job. <clears throat> to try and make it so, ah, I get it. But in that, it's to find the real Jesus of the Bible. Not the fakey one that the world's trying to put out there. Not the dumbed-down one that has tolerance for everything. The one that says, you know what? You need to live your life holy in Christ Jesus. You need to flee. You need to resist the devil. Not see how close you can get to it. You see, I get asked all kinds of crazy things. You haven't so learned Christ. You know one of the things I get asked? Well, you know, how many beers can you have before you get drunk? Because I know drunkenness is a sin, but how many is it? Can I go to third and a half base? And and am I still okay with God? Here's the question How far can you get from sin? Not how close can you get to it? Amen? You want to walk and learn Christ? You want to figure out where to not be. What not? You want to go to that diagnostic tool that is God's Word and say, okay, Lord. When you pull into an auto shop, they put your, your car on a dynamometer that allows your wheels to run at full freeway speed while you're not going anywhere. And you run the car and you, and you get it up to, it. you're going 90 and not actually moving. Why? Because you want to see what it's doing when it's actually working. Because you know what happens when you bring them in. You tell somebody, well, I got this problem. Well, it didn't do that when we drove it. It's because they drove it around the block. They drove it like 10 feet. They brought it back in. It's not doing it. That? That tests you when you're doing life. That gives you that picture. Hey, this is how I'm doing in Christ. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old way of living. Remember which way that was? You all know it. You used to be there. You used to hang out in the wrong place. I was driving in on the 110 last night. This club that's over here... That puppy glows in the dark from 10 miles away. But inside's dead men's bones, amen? You see, sin's attractive. It's like, whoa, that's the the only pink neon I've seen around here. Glows in the dark. But inside it, you want to ruin your life? Go there. You see, the moment I say stuff like that, oh, you know, you're picking on, you know... Oh, it's just recreation. <laughs> yeah. How old do I look, 12? I've <laughs> had people tell me, this, well, we're going to Vegas. It's just recreation. Sure, it's recreation if you want to lose your life savings. Sorry, I'm messing with you. The truth is truth. Put off your former conduct, the old man. That's not get rid of your husbands, ladies. <laughs> totally disrespect your husband is not what that says. Which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and in holiness. Do you see the difference? Look, the old you's still there. It's up to you to put off the old man. God doesn't just instantaneously do that for you. And probably every one of you in here has some B.C. stories. You know, you're wandering around after you got saved. You're just doing good that you're not shooting up anymore. You're, you're doing good that you're not dealing crack anyway. You just you're still struggling with it a little bit yourself. You're doing good that you're not in five bad relationships. You're only in one. You see that was your former conduct. You're to put that off, and then put on the new man, the new you. We we love these you know these renovation stories. It's like you know super. Dumb home makeover, and you know, who say yes to the dress? All these shows. We love these kind of shows. Why? Because you make garbage into gold. That's what God does with you. Amen. Took garbage, the old you, the old man, and turned you into treasure in Christ. Amen? You put off the old, put on the new. That's that example, that's that template, that's that life that we now live. And you know, we have to believe it, we have to receive it in order to live it. And I want to just strongly encourage you, as believers, we want to put on the truth so that we can live the life and then walk the way, amen? That's the way it works. When I believe the truth, it impacts my life so that that way becomes pretty easy for me to find, I'm now living that kind of life. You see, the unsaved person is spiritually ignorant. Doesn't know which way to go. So be easy on them. This is the church. I can speak to you as children of God. Large percentage of you in here know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. I can speak to you as the church, but you have people in your life that are perishing today. You need to tell them the truth. You need to tell them the truth about the grace of God. You need to tell them the truth about their sin nature. You need to tell them the truth about the path that leads to righteousness. You need to tell them the truth about the way. Amen? And as we do that, that's what we can share. That's what they need. That's those people in Romans 1 who haven't yet come to where you are. Maybe you're here and you know the Lord. There are people out there who do not know Jesus. The mission field begins when you go through those back doors out these side doors. When you get to your car, the mission field is upon you. And for us, look, it's simple. Believe or don't believe. Saint or an ain't. There's nothing in between. You're either in or out. And if you're in, you're going to put on the new and you're going to put off the old. And when you do that, your life's going to look different than it used to look. Your priorities are going to look different than they used to look. And so as you think on these things, you'll go from that place to where you're not just simply a changed mind, but you literally are that 2 Corinthians 5 new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what we want. I want to be looking so much like Jesus when people meet me and talk to me, meet you, talk to you, bump into us, step through the doors of the church, come into your home, meet you in the workplace, that they feel like they've had a conversation with Jesus. Hallelujah? Amen. Amen. We want to put off that old dead man. We want to put on that new life. And, And in that sense... Your conversion came at a, at a critical time. Your conversion was actually a crisis. You said, look, i got a problem. And that conversion led you to a, a critical process, which is ongoing, because each one of us are being transformed, even today. No matter how long you've walked with the Lord, and you're here today, you're still being created in that sense. You're still, God's still at work in your life renewing and refreshing and revitalizing. He's showing you new things. Isn't it staggering for those of us that are a little older in the Lord? The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I realize I'm not done yet. I'm an unbaked cake at times. It's like, whoop, better, that stick. you know how you stick the, the toothpick in it? Like, a eh, little goo on that one. Praise God for grace, amen? amen? Let's walk in it this week. Amen. Would you stand? If you're here today and you've never met Jesus we have a prayer team waiting in that room right over there and we would love to take the time to minister the truth of the gospel to you and so I want to really encourage you it's a simple thing to believe on his name is to be saved it's to confess your sin it's to allow him to forgive that sin it's to announce to the world that he is Lord and Savior We have men, we have women that would love to share the truth of the gospel message uh, with you personally. If you're here today, and maybe you've been struggling with some area in your life, God wants to set you free of that. He doesn't want you to walk in that old way anymore, that dead old man. He wants you to walk in that newness of life. Go and be prayed for. That's why those saints are waiting right now to pray with you. And so I want to encourage you. As you think and as you pray, and if you're good with God, then go tell the world about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing day. Lord, we pray that these truths would not just pass uh, into our ears and, and, Lord, off into space. God, that they would take root in our hearts and that we would do all that we can in these days to stand. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thanks for loving us by your grace and through faith. Thanks for cleansing us and washing us. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here, God, your grace would not allow them to leave this building before asking you, inviting you uh, into their hearts, their minds. We praise you. We thank you. We bless you. Thanks for the time that we've had to fellowship today around your word. We ask all this in Christ's name and God's people all said, Amen. amen. God bless you.